0: Welcome to TA1 Everything you wanted to know about adventure racing And then some I'll be your host, the legendary Randy Erickson have the uh, least most useful dog in the world The chili dog at my feet Birds are in the other room because they're crazy So all is good Oh yeah, and there's a thunderstorm outside So uh, yeah, we're having a good time here For those of you that are keeping track It is Tuesday, the I don't know, whatever. One week before Untamed New England, I did start packing. I took um, the drone, a flash, underwater housing, and um, that's it. Downstairs to the packing room, so that is a start. I kind of like to keep it on the download because Chilly knows what's up when I start packing, so kind of kind of try to do it when she's not around and I kind of get it down to a science so you know one pair of pants, one pair of shorts and one shirt you guys don't care if I, what I smell like by the end do you so um i don't know not much else to say i'm talking doing a lot of untamed stuff talking to a lot of people things change a little bit um but uh I'll be ready Saturday to get on a plane Like the rest of you Um, Heading out is a good step And when the race starts it's even better I don't remember if I said Teased you last week about uh, Some of the things we're going to do So I'm teasing you now Some of the media specific things And that's all I'm going to say You won't know until you get there but rest assured, Grant thought they were really, really funny. So that should be pretty scary to you. So, okay. Oh, excuse me. Um, That's it. Let's uh, go get on with the show. I think we actually will have an episode next week, which will come out right about the start of the race. So go fast, take chances, and all you lucky ones will see me in... Um, New Hampshire, in a few days. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hello. This must be Mr. Tim.
1: Yeah, how you going? Good. How are you doing? Oh, very good. Very good. Can't yeah. complain. Yeah.
0: Nice early morning for you. Nice late afternoon for me. Finally, it works <laughs> out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it does work good. Not too early, so. Yeah. Let's uh, have a chance to get a good sleep and, yeah, a bit of breakfast before we even start, so can't complain at all.
0: Ah, good. Well, I am going to – we're going to do this. I'm going to have a short hike. And I'm going to bed because I've had a long week already, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, I'll finish my week. I've got a few days off. so yeah. I'm pretty lucky. So- Hopefully the weather stays nice for me, and I can get out and about myself at some stage. Yeah.
0: So um, let's have some weather talk. After all these years of having all you – these friends of new zealand and australia it's like it's really winter so what's your weather like right now
1: um at the moment it's um, a middle of winter i guess but we sort of get early mornings can get from down to zero i guess was probably zero yesterday when i was out in the bike early but um and then warms up to around 14 15 throughout the day that's about an average day here but the sun's usually out and it's a bit fresh but not much wind so these are the, probably the nice winter days, and then the other ones, we get a bit more wind and rain, but um, really, I've said it to a few people before, we get it pretty good over here. We complain it gets cold, but I'm sure it gets nothing cold, cold like a lot of places around.
0: So, yeah, we get we have real winter here, but it just, it just um, I don't know, it's just, I, I still find it funny to watch all you people in the snow in the winter when it's 90 degrees here, but... <laughs> So, um, let's, let's do what I never do. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the people who you are.
1: (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's not really something I answer all the time, but I guess, uh, yeah, obviously Tim, Tim Boot, um, from East Gippsland, which is about three hours east of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. Um, it's yeah, sort of pretty nice area down this way. And I've Grown up here most of my life. Spent a bit of time in other spots for bits and pieces, but um, yeah, I've, I've lived down here, done a few different jobs over the time. Uh, just work for the local government at the moment, uh, a bit of shift work, which um, works well when it comes to training and stuff for this sort of thing. Uh, I guess I'm here to speak about the adventure racing and stuff that I've gotten into recently and I guess I did that by getting dragged into a little triathlon probably nearly 10 years ago and one thing led to another and uh, sort of, I guess I find it difficult to say no to things. So a lot of people have asked me to do certain things or asked if I'm interested and I said yes and one thing's moved on and from triathlons to bigger ones then into a bit more multi-sport and then onto the adventure racing side of things which is where I'm at now and probably the reason why I'm talking to you.
0: Exactly. Uh, So right. are you? Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, you're all right. I was going to say, ask if you had any questions.
0: Okay. I hope <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> Otherwise,
0: this is this will literally be the shortest podcast we've had.
1: <laughs> we don't want that.
0: No, 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 no. Um, are Are you the type? Obviously, I, it's not the doorbell. That's my phone. Um, you're the type <laughs> of <laughs> type of person that uh, is your default to say yes when somebody asks you.
1: Uh, I wouldn't say default say yes, but I'm definitely always keen for a challenge and not not too worried about having a go at something. Um, I guess probably that's more more to it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm always out for something new and try something different. So, yeah, that's probably what's ended up with me. Yeah.
0: So yeah. okay. Yeah. But, so um triathlon background did you have any sports before that did you have were you you know cyclist runner swimmer and then combine them all together or, or how did how did that part start
1: um oh, i used to oh i sort of grew up around this area in the sort of country area where i live it's a lot of people play footy football australian rules football uh, cricket soccer a few different things like that or or football is referred to in different parts of the world um, so I sort of grew up just playing footy, cricket and all that sort of stuff um, in the team environment and used to muck around, do a bit of swimming, used to roll and bike around, but nothing too too over the top, just getting around, mucking around as a kid. Um, I guess that's one thing that's really appealed to me getting back into the adventure racing is going from a, a team background of sports with the football and cricket and that side of things into sort of, I guess, more a solo sport with the triathlon and um, I guess, you know, a bit of the cycling and stuff that I did along with that. Um, the, the team aspect of adventure racing really appeals to me, being getting back together to work with a team and um, having that environment where you got to sometimes help someone out or if someone's going to give you a hand. Um, and working together really is really, um, a really good part of the adventure racing that obviously I've gotten into recently.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I, I mean, I could see that, had that team background and then, you know, you probably get tired of being with everybody. Go solo for a while. And now you're back to the team. You're back to the real world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good fun. I must admit, I've been pretty lucky with it down our way, even being a small area. We've got a pretty, pretty good little triathlon club um, mm-hmm. and cycling club that uh, get along really well and work together. So it wasn't completely a solo sort of thing. We used to do a lot of group training, and and it was a very inviting and. Um, Good club to be around so that made it a bit easier that's for sure
0: what uh when you're doing triathlons uh what part of the training did you not like um,
1: yeah, instead of asking well, what your well,
0: favorite is <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh to be honest with you i sort of enjoyed the the, the ability to do different things keep mm-hmm. sort of mixed up a little bit um I guess swimming was swimming was almost always my weakest leg, uh, but you know there's always a good good way to get out of bed early in the morning when it's cold and middle of winter like this. You can go to the pool and go for a swim. So I, I always enjoyed cycling was my strongest. I, would, I wouldn't say weak. Uh, swimming was the weak, my weakest. Uh, sorry, not my weakest. The most yeah. boring one that I used to do. But um, yeah, I used to enjoy the fact that you could mix it up a little bit and, and not get stuck doing the same thing all this, all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you um Paul my wife loves loves swimming with the group because she likes the workout. Do you do you like that part where you can kind of just like a lot of swimming workouts it seems to me like you can just you sort of switch your mind off. Somebody says you're doing this, go um is that kind of fun sometimes just to work hard without thinking?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um I guess the pool's one of those things where you're at the pool and if, you, if you're swimming, you, like you said, you're focused on what you've got planned to do. And then also your head's under the water, so you can't hear or see anything very much. You, you're just yeah. swimming away. And sometimes that's nice just to, yeah, that short escape, I guess.
0: Yeah. So how did you move then from triathlons to our little uh, weird world of adventure racing?
1: <laughs> um, I can't exactly remember the exact sort of moment that it probably sort of happened, but I guess living down my way, we've got a really, really good uh, environment for, for adventure racing. we've got a lot of, we've got a big lake system, heap of rivers, um, lots of bush, um, so we, I guess it was probably a bit of a natural progression, getting on the mountain bike, getting out and exploring on that, uh, and then paddling as well, getting out to paddle, so it was just sort of little bits and pieces, and then probably the first main event that I remember was uh, the Anglesey, sorry, no, it was at Lawn that year, the Adventure Festival down at Lorne. Uh I went down and did that one with, the, with a group of friends and nearly drowned when I did the paddle. But I survived and I came back for some more. <laughs> uh, there's a photo on my wall from that that race where I finished the paddle and I came into the beach. And I'd fallen out that many times. And I was so sick of my boat that I was in because I wasn't ready for it. I was a bit over my, you know, over my head. So I fell out with in about waist deep water, and I just left my boat floating in the middle of the ocean, and well, not middle of the ocean, next to the beach, and just walked in and left it. I couldn't have cared if it had drifted off to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, and I was lucky enough that a photographer's got a photograph of me standing next to my boat with his look on the face that pretty much sums up that entire paddle. So, mm-hmm. that was the first point I remember getting into the off-road multi-sport sort of scene when racing to any sort of event, and things are just built from there. Uh, which probably with Angus, one of the guys I did the Japanese race with, that we'll discuss obviously shorter in short, shortly. Um, yeah. he, I came across him and Karina, another friend of mine, at an, another multi-sport race, and then they said, "Oh, do you want to come and do this adventure race?" Look, so they were looking for someone to fill in their team, and I said, "Oh, yeah, okay, why not?" And then so obviously one thing led to another, and I'm over and doing overseas races with Angus and, and a couple others as well. So, yeah.
0: So how 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 long has that been? How long have you been doing adventure races then?
1: Uh, uh, I think I've probably been in the adventure racing multi sport sort of side of things for oh, five or six years, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, I reckon around then.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah well, and just sort of building up over time.
0: Yeah, so a lot of twenty four type things, or have you done very many expedition or? What, no, where I've are you at it. in your career?
1: <laughs> well, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm still. Still uh, learning, got a lot to learn on it. Well, I guess you'd never stop. But I did uh, Shoalhaven World Champs um, here in Australia. That's not too far away in the scheme of things for me. So I went up there with with Angus and the other Dynamite Adventure guys. So I did that as my first expedition race. And the only other expedition race uh, I did was Red Fox um, in Russia last year with Serge Maria uh, from Adventure Mm -hmm. Junkie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a 72 hour event over in Russia, they were looking for someone to, to race with them, so that was I think it was European World Champs and that was that was a good experience really really different to get over there and and race that style of race overseas, it was the first time I've done it overseas so they're the only expedition races I've done and I've done uh, various different sort of 24 to 36 hour races around Australia and um, also the Japan run that we did recently and then I've done a few multi-sport ones, uh, this stage yeah. racing over in China as well, so they've been good fun.
0: Yeah, well, so you've you've actually packed in a pretty good uh, career already in five or six years. But, um, well, we're going to get to Japan. But so, okay, the first thing is another person that I've been to a race with because I was at Shoalhaven. <laughs> so it's like I, I I I meet people like you, like oh man, never. You know, never cross paths or anything. Never like, crossed oh path. wait, no. Yeah, you were. We were. We were probably in the same place at the same time. Sometime there, oh, but,
1: yeah, <laughs> so. definitely. Well, four hundred competitors plus everybody else fighting around. So there's a good chance we did, but never, yeah. never remembered.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you guys all look alike in your little bibs. So. <laughs> but um, so I'm curious, what was, what was Russia like? I'm sure it helped that you went with uh, Russians,
1: yeah oh look that was that really probably made the trip as enjoyable as it was. it's probably it was one of the more difficult countries, not that I've been to too many, that I imagine you to go to without much english and or knowledge about the country. so going with with Serge and Maria, it was really good. Um, we stayed with their friends and family throughout the the trip. So I got, was really lucky to get the opportunity to sort of see everyday Russia and meet a lot of, you know, normal Russians. And they were the people that I dealt with, and that were so friendly and so welcoming and helpful and just, you know, do anything for you. Um, a little bit opposite to what some people... Well, I think Russia gets the, a pretty bad rap at times, that they're all pretty rough and gruff and stuff like that. So, But the other thing that really surprised me was just how like beautiful it was over there and some of the spots that we went to and the place we went to to race was amazing um it was a a lake that was 200 kilometers one way and 100 kilometers across so it was (laughs) pretty much like an inland ocean so it yeah it was my first time i guess that i've been overseas it wasn't china um, and it was, yeah, it was, I, oh, I really enjoyed it. I'd, and I'd definitely go back if the opportunity arose, but racing over there was, was good too, but I wouldn't want to do it without a, um, with someone, without a Russian speaking person, because I think that would make life really, really difficult. It's, uh, yeah, I can imagine other, other than that, when you get, sort of get going to race, I mean, it's no different to any other race, you've got a map, and you, you follow, following your compass around, chasing the checkpoints, so. That was cool. good.
0: Yeah, so um, you've done a lot of the China races, the stage races. Do you prefer one over the other, a stage race versus you know regular expedition race, or uh, do you like them both?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy both of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I'm. I really enjoy the navigating in relation to the sort of venture racing, expedition racing. Of mm-hmm. that's something I haven't done much of until I've got into it, and I'm really enjoying that challenge, new sort of thing to learn, um, and. Challenge, so yeah, but also enjoy the going fast of the Mm. the stage racing as well.
0: Mm. Is there less or any navigating in in all the China stage races?
1: Um, There's there's sometimes a little bit, but it's usually uh, GPS. Usually got some GPS coordinates to to track down. Um, Sometimes I give you a map, um, but again, it's all GPS. There's, There's definitely not the the challenging navigation you get in the adventure racing um with most of them yeah
0: so they so you have a gps and they give you you give you a coordinate and you just have to figure out how to get there following it
1: yep pretty much yeah. it's the the ones that i've done that's sort of the only sort of navigating they do over that way but so as you can aware they're, they're keen to get what outlay well obviously didn't work it quite this well this year um they're keen to get into the more of the expedition with that sort of stuff over there i think and Got no doubt they'll do a good job. Just have to see yeah. things.
0: Well, it's <laughs> funny just... that in in Ecuador at the World Championships they had a section that they gave everybody a GPS to follow through, and it's like we don't know how to work this. How do you work a GPS? <laughs> 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 so, I, I,
1: I personally would be a lot more comfortable with a map and compass than a GPS. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so how did the the J- Japanese the uh, race come about for you guys how did you decide that you wanted to do it and and uh, what were your reasons for it
1: um over here in in australia there's queen's Birthday long weekend is that weekend in june and there's been a geo geo quest has been on for i think 12 years perhaps maybe even longer every every that weekend every year um so we'd sort of most of us have got the time off to go and do that event we try and get up there a lot of us do uh, and then that got cancelled for various reasons. So Angus and I had been sort of talking about doing an event at some stage. We weren't really sure what or when. And that got cancelled. We had a quick look and thought, oh, why not Japan? Huh? It looks like a good fun spot, not too far to go. Should be relatively good, cost cost effective and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, not too expensive, I guess. And yeah, cool, we'll do that. So we've jumped on, signed up. And we hadn't organised the other two teammates just yet. And then two weeks later, Jerry Quest got uh, rescheduled, and they said they brought it back. Another group, group of people got on board and said, "Well, we'll run the run the event." So we're like, no, oh, too too late now. We've already signed up for Japan. We're going to do that one." So it was just yeah, sort of a bit of luck, I guess, that Jerry Quest got cancelled. Otherwise, he probably never would have looked even looked at it.
0: Yeah. So who did who did you end up was who was all your teammates?
1: So we we got uh, Elizabeth, Dornham. We, mm-hmm. we well, I, don't, I wouldn't say we dragged her in. She was pretty keen when we mentioned it to her. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she jumped on board straight away. And then we spoke with Jared, Jared Kohler as well. He's mm-hmm. obviously another guy. Angus and Liz are both from Melbourne and I'm yeah. a bit out of town. But he's another local bloke, obviously quite well known and very experienced. So, we got on to him and after a little bit of mucking around, we got, got him all ready to go. He was super keen. You just have to, as you do, sort out all the finer details with life and stuff that's going on. So once we got Jared on board, we were super happy, and yeah, it was
0: good. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're going to have to give Angus some grief now because you and Liz and Jared have all been on the podcast now, so he's the only one that hasn't.
1: (laughs) That's right. We'll we'll get him. We'll sort something out with him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. I probably should be a nice guy and invite him one of these days. So get get (laughs) him. So. this this is the part where I sit back and you tell me about going to Japan and racing.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, and, yeah, and, was...
0: and be aware. I mean, I've never been to Japan. I mean, I've seen. You know, I see what the stories of how it goes there and how busy it is, and and uh, so you know, tell me what is the cliche that's true and and the, the parts that aren't true and surprised you.
1: Um, well, before I went. I spoke to a few people and friends and family and stuff and nobody had a, a bad word to say about Japan. Like everybody just had nothing but praise to say about it. I think, well, this is a good start. Um, and after heading over there and for our trip, I, I can agree, agree 100%. It was, um, it was really, really good. So we were sort of pretty excited to get over there. None of us had, had been to Japan before. So it was all a new experience for all of us. Um, and getting organised was pretty straightforward. We had Massa, a Japanese guy that lives actually in Tasmania, who was organised the race had organised to help sort of with all the <coughs> the um, translation for the Western teams that didn't speak Japanese and stuff like that. So we had him in um, contact regularly via email and stuff like that, which made all that sort of organising in little bits and pieces quite straightforward. So there was no real no real dramas. Um, getting over there and stuff like that. Um, We decided to go a couple of days early to have a bit of a look around so we spent the first couple of days in Tokyo and Liz had done a bit of research and a bit of talking to some friends so she had one thing we had to do which was um, Mario Karting around Tokyo. So I'll bring this up, it's got nothing to do with the race but I'll have to say it because if anybody goes to Japan it's something that uh, you pretty much have to do. You're allowed to Drive these little go-kart, um, well, pretty much go-karts that are fully registered, got lights and all sorts of stuff on them, around the streets of Tokyo, getting sort of uh, following the, the organiser in, in his own one. So, Liz had teed all that up, and Liz and myself had got that, uh, our driver's license, you need an international driver's license, so I'll make sure I mention that, so no one gets over there and gets disappointed because they can't do, do it. it. Um, so that was pretty cool that was our first experience of japan and we were sort of driving around dressed up as mario and luigi and stuff as well so it was pretty surreal driving around the streets of tokyo and go karts uh and we we're thinking okay so this is japan this is pretty cool i like, do some cool stuff over here but yeah. tokyo it, although it was busy um it was very very organized it seemed to be it wasn't the hustle and bustle and the of what there is in other cities that I've been to, it's um, people are queuing and friendly and nice, and yeah, it was it was really good. Huh. So,
0: was it as not as busy, but was it as crowded as you thought it might be?
1: No, it wasn't. We we went to um, Shinagawa, so it was just one small area. We stayed there for a couple of days. We didn't really obviously go get. Explore the whole city. It's quite a large mm, city, yeah. so the area we went to wasn't. I didn't think it was overcrowded. There was a, there was a lot of people, but like I said, it was very um uh, very organised, and people weren't pushing and shoving or anything like that. So I guess it probably made the crowds a bit less. Um, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You didn't really notice them as much because. Yeah. So, well, yeah, so yeah. So Tokyo was, and it was clean for for yeah. a city. Like it was really clean and and stuff like that. Japan was, was clean in general. So, um, and then, so we, yeah, we, we enjoyed hanging around there and we, uh, Jared and Angus came over a little bit after Liz and myself. So we all sort of uh, hooked, hooked up, obviously, together and then we had to catch the bus from Tokyo out to the Nagano Prefecture, mm-hmm. which was where the event was. And okay. We, um, so that was about a five-hour bus ride um, on their very impressive freeways and roads and stuff like that. Would have liked to have catch one, caught one of their trains, but they didn't carry bike boxes, so we had to catch the bus. So okay. the bus is probably good. We got to see a bit more of what was going on. Um, and, and again, uh, I guess one thing I noticed, obviously spending a bit of time in China for different events, was how how well-mannered people were on the road. <laughs> <laughs> there didn't seem to be any issues in relation to that. Whereas in China, it's a, a lot more hectic when you're on the roads. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So that uh, politeness is is true when you get to Japan.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they were, everybody was even we, you know, if we stopped somebody down the street trying to get some information, even if they couldn't speak English, they'd still do what they could to, to try and help us out. So, yeah. very very polite, friendly people for sure yeah. So.
0: Yeah. so do you guys when you're on the bus was this like were you like the only non-Japanese on the bus were people were you standing out were, were you getting little um, sideways glances
1: no not definitely not was, there was a yeah. lot of um, non-Japanese people in Tokyo uh, of all different backgrounds and stuff well not a lot but there was there was a good percentage so mm-hmm. I don't think that yeah, we didn't really stand out because I think that they're probably used to having people, non-Japanese people, floating around the city for various reasons, whether it's work or yeah. holidaying or, or whatever it is. So um, once we got where we went, Nagano, it's a pretty big ski area for international people to come and ski. So uh, even again, there was a lot, a lot of English um, writing and, and I guess they're probably not overly um, concerned when you've got some Westerners floating around. Uh, to, yeah, in relation to that because they used to people coming skiing probably more through winter, not so much summer we were there, but uh, yeah. yeah, it didn't really feel like we were sort of out of the ordinary at any stage.
0: Because yeah. that's um, where the Olympics were, right? Basically in that area?
1: Yeah, so the Olympics were based in Nagano 20, uh, 1998 so pretty much 20 years uh, 20 years ago so they had yeah, a fair bit of infrastructure and stuff there which was which is good we got to actually have a look around and see a few bits and pieces that were still there, and it's still in really good condition too. Um, I uh, think they obviously still use it a bit throughout winter. So,
0: yeah. So, so what? Um, yeah, it was good. Good. When you, um how hard was it for you as as um, a non Japanese speaker? How hard was like pre race and getting organized and you know, you know. You know, because it, yeah, it's um, always hard just to get ready. Was it that much harder?
1: Um, like I said, we had Massa, who he was—he was amazing. He, he he was there as a translator, and okay. he pretty much ended up managing all the Western Western teams, or English-speaking teams. <laughs> so he went above and beyond, and he yeah again would do anything he could. Go out of his way to help you out. So having him around, uh, and a couple, plus a couple of other. People there that spoke a bit of English um, was really good, and like I said, you know, they went above and beyond to help us out. So that made life a little bit easier with the briefings and all that sort of stuff. It was all translated across, so it worked pretty well. Um, okay. we'll probably I'll come to it in a little bit. <laughs> there was a couple of little small issues in relation to the briefing which popped up later on. Okay. But in the scheme of things, it, the, the event was very very well managed um, and. Very easy for for some for English speaking teams. Uh, well, I found it was anyway.
0: Okay, so I I mean I was curious about that because um, you know some of the well let's see like when I went to Norcia two years ago in Portugal. I mean I was at a complete loss because ninety eight percent of everything was in in Portuguese. So and and which makes sense because most of the teams were Portuguese too. So. Um, I kind of get that, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to sit there and just, oh, everybody's everybody's going that way, I guess. I better go too. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you guys had it a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, look, it, I, found it, I found it quite good. And I mean, I guess if anybody's considering heading over to do a, a Japanese adventure race, hopefully, obviously, I'm pretty sure that we'll have another one coming up at some stage. Um, if that's one of their concerns, I'd definitely say not to worry about it. Um, cool they were really really good and made, made life pretty easy for us
0: yeah so um okay well tell me about the race because now i'm curious about the, the little hiccups <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh look we were very lucky there's only a couple of little ones so yeah. we, we turned when we when we arrived in um we, were, we so we went to nagano Prefecture. we actually started or based out of hakaba which is the main ski resort up that way Mm-hmm. so when we've arrived we're just literally in this valley with these massive big mountains snow-capped mountains on one side of us and other big mountains on the other and it's big thick lush bush we're thinking oh my goodness how are we ever going to be able to get through any of this bush if they're going to send us off road maybe this this whole thing's going to be on trail the whole thing or, or whatever so we had the usual i guess apprehensions of turning up somewhere we didn't know anything about but um like I said, the build-up was quite good. Everything went quite well, and then we got our got our maps on the morning of the race, um, and they've given the hand out the maps, and we've looked at them and gone, "Oh my goodness, this looks very confusing," and and there's quite a lot of different roads being, obviously some busy areas and some decent contour lines, being some good mountains. So, but once we sort of got into the maps, we realised that they were quite well um, quite well done, and it was just took a little bit of time to get your sort of your head around them. Mm-hmm. So we got our maps with a couple of hours. And this is one of the, I guess, the first little issue was that we had was they gave us some maps um, at about, oh, I think it was 6 o'clock when the race started at 8. And then they gave us the maps and they did a bit of a briefing after giving us the maps in amongst sort of, you know, here's your map, set them up, do a bit of a briefing, translate it, this and that. So in amongst that, a couple of things that got lost, um, we potentially we should have probably been paying a little bit more attention to what they were saying, and maybe there were some important things that should have been passed across in maybe in a written format or something, so we didn't miss them as well. So, in that, we missed a couple of out of bounds sections that were to be added to the maps. So we didn't we didn't mark them out of bounds, um, which obviously came back to bite us later in the race because we've gone through certain sections that we <laughs> we shouldn't have gone through, mm-hmm. uh, and then. And then got a couple of penalties for it. Luckily, it didn't uh, didn't affect the race results. So, but that that was honestly that's probably the only only issue we had throughout the entire event um, with the management and organisation of it. And and again, we've got to probably accept a bit of responsibility for not paying as much attention as we should have. Yeah. So, yeah, it was the maps were good once we got our head around them and got them all marked up. And then it was only a short walk to the start from from where the, the t- uh, they had the map handout in the morning of the race so yeah. we all sort of waltzed over that way together with um i think there was 29 teams in the end so i think there was supposed to be 30 but one didn't start and we started the start and off straight up this nice big hill to a checkpoint at the top of the hill so it was straight into it we started with a big trek um it was the biggest the biggest trek of the race was the first one and we a lot of it was off-trail, so we thought this was probably going to be a pretty important uh, leg here if you're going to make some mistakes. Um, it could cost you a bit of time. So the, the maps had some tracks on them, but not many tracks at all, so we thought we were going to be spending a lot of time off-trail in the bush and we were concerned, again, obviously what the, the terrain was like. But we had a good start. Um, we were off at the Colombian team. We knew that they were going to be the, the benchmark, so to speak. So... We were hoping just to maybe try and stick with them and keep them on their toes for a little bit. But we managed to, at the first checkpoint, get a small break. Uh, They went one way at the top of the hill, we went the other, and we got the checkpoint and ducked off back down the hill. And we actually took a different route to most people to get to the second one, which gave us a small break. And um, we kept sort of moving quite well through the rest of that. Myself and Jared were navigating. Obviously, jared has got a heap of experience, so it was really good having him on our team. And... We actually had a really, really good first trek, found found a few little trails that were not marked on the map and really didn't make any mistakes whatsoever. A couple of small small times we sort of went off the wrong spur but picked it up very, very quickly and turned around and came back onto the right one. So we were very, I guess, happy and also relieved to get into the first TA and we actually managed to get in first in front of the Colombian team, which surprised us. Um, it also surprised Louise, Louise uh, Falks from uh, AWS. She was there as well. And I, I distinctly remember her making a comment, I think it was, laughing. She says, oh, this is so exciting, they're not supposed to be in front. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was quite there. It was a bit funny, How to laugh at the time. I thought, oh, come on, you've got to give us some credit, surely. Yeah. So, but yeah, look, we, we had a really good first, first trek leg. And when we got out into the bush, we, we discovered that, although it looked quite lush, um, once you got under the canopy, it wasn't too bad of going, and obviously finding some trails that weren't on the map um, made life a little bit easier as well. But uh, so that that was good, and then the next one we were on the mountain bike, and on a lot of there's a lot of different different uh, types of roads, some quite well um, marked roads, and other ones that weren't quite as well marked. So it's again, it took us a little bit of time to get used to the map. And how some of the roads were marked. There was one of the semi-main roads on the map was actually two white lines and if that went with the contours it actually blended in quite well. So that uh, kept us on our toes, especially because there was a bit of drizzle and the, the map boards were um, a bit of drizzle on them and that. And, uh, so, but we, again, it was a pretty straightforward uh, section to a, a supping section which is, I'm not sure if it's the first time that there's been a supp in an adventure race, but it's definitely the first time we've done one. So we were lucky with that, that Jared and myself had done a little bit of supping over the, over the years, so we had a bit of experience, but the only issue we did have is they only provided two sups per team, but all four people had to go on the on the sups, which was about, I think it was the three Ks worth of supping around the lake, so we, um, we had to, uh, Angus and, and Liz laid down on the sup and Jared and I stood up and we managed to get a, get around pretty, pretty quickly without having too many dramas and no swims, which was nice so huh.
0: yeah. that's interesting why do you know why they why you didn't get four or do they have any explanation or is that just the way they wanted to do it
1: uh, there wasn't any explanation but I, I think yeah. they just didn't have enough subs. looking at um, when we arrived yeah. I, I reckon they might have had I'd be guessing at 20 subs or so maybe a couple more so I just I think they had the numbers to give everybody all teams four subs and not yeah. be have people waiting so but look, it was it worked alright. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In well, adventure race, you've got to just exactly. <laughs> yep. You yeah. just got to make do with what you got. So, yeah, we are... Uh, it was good. Um, so it was the other thing too that was was kind of cool throughout the race. As I said, Louise was floating around. She'd come over to have a look at the race, and she was able to sort of do a bit of live streaming on Facebook. So. As we come into transition, she could do a little bit of live streaming on Facebook um, and have a bit of a chat to us, which is really good, I think, for for our friends and family and people back home sort of watching. um, It sort of added another aspect to to watching the dots on the the computer. So the only only issue I had with that was I didn't actually realise it was live streaming until I'd finished the race. So (laughs) luckily, (laughs) nothing was said or done that was too untoward. Yeah. (laughs) But again, it was...
0: Yeah, he didn't do a Kyle Peter, and uh, he's standing in the background changing clothes. He, I think he does that <laughs> to me on purpose. You know. He'll be back there. And like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, look,
1: that was it. Was actually it was a lot of Japanese media around. They were really, really passionate about it, um, and and it was a bit of an issue at times. Like, oh, we want to get changed, but uh, what do we do? So we ended up. You know, we, we adapted and used towers and hit around the corners or whatever we had to, but yeah, we were, we were very aware that the cameras were, were everywhere, so. Yeah. Um, and that was that was another aspect of the race, I guess. The Japanese, yeah. as I said, were really keen, sort of, with the media and stuff, and we'd have guys riding along next to us, with hanging onto a camera as he's looking backwards, and, you know, one hand, we're. Just, flying up his hill as fast as you can and here comes he's gone his bike flat out past us and we thought, like gee maybe we should pick it up a little bit <laughs> so uh, they, but again like i said they were out there filming and stuff but they never got in the way or they were never really uh, they were really respectful of, of what was going on but it was yeah it was, it was interesting so yeah um,
0: well that's so, kind of fun isn't it because it just um it almost makes you feel like it's a real big time sport having I mean, they, they, it can be a little annoying when you're trying, yeah, change clothes. But it is kind of fun to have, to be the focus of attention.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, it was, I looked definitely something new for me. I've you know, done done a few few events over the years, I definitely and I've seen cameras floating around, but I've never really been on myself. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was sort of a new. But we just sort of, I just tried to keep doing what I was doing, and yeah. keep racing. But um, like I said, they were, they were very good. They weren't in your face or in your way or anything like that. Um, they were just doing that, but the, the thing I found with with the race was the how passionate the um well the the racers the other Japanese racers that were there the the media the support crews um just the fans everyone was just so passionate about adventure racing so it was it was really cool uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's only going to probably come through even more the more Jap- Japan gets involved in this sort of stuff uh, yeah so. Um-
0: yeah, well, sidebar here. So, obviously, most of most of the teams were Japanese. How many how many foreign teams were there?
1: Yeah, so there was there was the Columbia Viterade team. This, those guys, um, ourselves. There was, I think there was a, a Singaporean team uh, and a couple of New Caledonian teams that had a couple of other Aussies in them as well. Um, I'm just trying to think. I shouldn't I should be able to remember but yeah. Well, but, but the yeah I think there, was, it was, there wasn't yeah. many yeah, yeah. So, so cool but yeah it was it was kind of it was yeah it was the Japanese teams there was plenty of them um, yeah. and they were actually quite competitive too uh, they were well and true they were a little bit quicker than we possibly thought they'd be they kept us on our toes they were very quick on their, foot, on their feet and probably not quite as strong on the on the um mountain bike or definitely not in the rafting section but you know those are big heavy rafts and japanese aren't <laughs> renowned right for being big strong dudes yeah so they, yeah. they did very well
0: cool so um, you're on the on the mountain bike leg how long how long was that leg
1: yeah so the mountain but the next mountain bike leg um it was around 52 kilometers i think on the, the logistics planner mm-hmm. and it was a lot of it was on on roads so, it was a pretty, pretty um, fast leg. There was a, one decent big hill in the middle of it. Um, we were, we were all, I guess, um, we were all going well. The being out, out the front too, I guess, helped. You
2: know,
1: yeah, <laughs> in good spirits and and that. So we just kept moving quite well. Um, again, Jared and myself both being on the maps um, worked quite well. We didn't have many issues whatsoever. Um, so yeah, we had a, quite a good. Bike, um, which there was only one section that we sort of had to pay a little bit more attention because we went through a lot of different, um, I'm not sure, uh, different, um, I guess council zones. I'm not sure what they call them over there. There was a terminology for it. So one of the areas had specified a route for us to follow. So we had mm-hmm. to stick to a very specific track or, or trail, which was marked on the map. So, and there was a yeah, pretty significant penalties if we went off that. So we sort of Managed to get through that without any issues and just took our time. Uh, so then after that leg, which was, uh, that was the second mountain bike, sorry, yeah, we finished, finished that one into the, and we had to start the raft. So we, we, we weren't 100% sure, but we thought there might have been a a. 4am, um, start time on the raft. We weren't allowed to get onto the water before 4am, and we came into, we were coming into transition about about 2 a.m. So Lisa sort of said, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we don't, we have to wait until 2 a.m., 4 a.m. before we can get on the rafts and, and that. And now that we weren't 100% sure, so I definitely wasn't getting my hopes up thinking, oh, hold on, we might even get to sleep here because last thing I wanted to do was, uh, I might get a quick nap and then get let down. And they go, no, you can keep going. So yeah. we, um, had a, uh, like I said, a, another good mountain block. We didn't have too many, too many issues whatsoever. Which was good, and we came into the TA for the the rafting at around just after 2 a.m. I think it was, and, and quickly confirmed that yeah we weren't allowed on the water till 4 a.m. So we were a little bit disappointed because we we knew we had a bit of a lead over the Columbia guys, but um, and we we're going to lose that because it was obviously an uh, untimed thing. You just had to wait. Okay. So yeah, they they came in I think around half an hour after we did, and. We just sort of thought, well, this is what it is. You know? As we've said yeah. before, it's part of racing. So we just got ourselves organized and managed to grab 45 minutes sleep or so, which was nice. You know, something a bit of a bonus in these type of races where you don't actually plan on getting any sleep. Exactly. Uh, so so is
0: the this, rafts... was this the first night, right?
1: Yes, yeah, so this was on the yeah. first night. So, okay. yeah, we yeah. hadn't been going for 24 hours yet. Uh, none of us were, were struggling too much but we're definitely yeah. not going to pass up a, a bit of a nap the if sleep, we get the yeah. opportunity <laughs> so yeah we we found a nice bit of concrete and tried to get out of the breeze and yeah managed to get oh, 45 minutes which was kind of good um, you know get us refresh us again and get back onto the raft so the yeah, uh, rafting was was good fun to start off with we had I'm not sure if you've seen any of the photos but had big uh commercial rafts, we had four of us in them, so they weren't the fastest things, but the water was fairly, was flowing quite nicely to start off with. Uh, so we jumped on the raft. We managed to get another uh, probably five minutes or so on the Columbia guys because they were doing gear checks. They're, they were pretty thorough. Being Japanese, they're pretty thorough with what they do, so there was plenty of gear checks, <laughs> make sure we had all our stuff. Yeah. So yeah. in amongst that, we managed to get a bit of a, a short... Uh, five minute head start on the Colombians, which was kind of good um, and we were hoping that you know the paddle would be one of our stronger legs being Aussies we're all reasonably strong paddlers in the scheme of things especially Jared and Angus they're super strong so it's always nice having those two guys on your team <laughs> to be honest with you I was a little bit disappointed that uh, we didn't have kayaks because I figured yeah. there might be the opportunity for me to have Angus or, or Jared who are two very strong paddlers in behind and I could <laughs> just cruise along at the front <laughs> <laughs> But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so we headed off on the raft, and it was was pretty straightforward in the the scheme. Things couldn't really go wrong. Obviously, just head downstream um, with a couple of checkpoints on the way. And these were both on dam walls, so we obviously knew we'd hit some flat water at some point. Um, When not long after, well, we got going, and then we. um, That's right. So, we. We ended up pulling up on the side of the bank, thinking we might have just gone past the first checkpoint. We weren't 100% sure exactly where we were on the river, so we pulled up on the side of the bank and quickly jumped out just have a quick look to make sure we hadn't gone past it. And in that time there, we lost. Oh, we were there for a bit over five minutes, and the Colombian guys came past us. So we quickly confirmed it when they didn't stop, and we double-checked that we're out a bit further to go before we got the checkpoint. And so. We would be disappointed that we'd lost our small, small sort of lead, but then also we had them to chase down, which was kept us sort of on our toes. It, um, the raft soon flattened out into the into a big dam, so it was pretty pretty much still water. And those big rafts uh, obviously don't go that fast when the water's flowing, let alone when the water's flat. So we had a bit of a slog on the uh, in the first first sort of lake or dam section, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we had the Colombians in front of us to sort of try and chase down, which was a bit of a carrot, I guess you, you could say. hmm yeah.
2: Uh,
1: and then, then we got to our first portage, which we thought, oh, this is not too bad. We'll just quickly carry it around the dam and throw it back in the water, and off we go again. But the first portage was a few hundred metres, or probably, oh, I'd say probably five, 600 metres, and the rafts are not very light. Yeah. So... By that stage we managed to catch the Columbians and, and we thought, well, we might as well try and get back in front and see what we can do. So we passed them on the portage. <laughs> Not very quickly we managed to sneak past in one of the wider sections and then we discovered that at the bottom of the dam there's no water being released. So the next next section was quite quite low with the water and we ended up dragging carrying and carrying and mucking around with these big heavy rafts. So mm. it uh, it was tough enough for us, um, and we were at times thinking of the poor little Japanese teams behind us that probably weren't quite as strong as we were, but um, yeah. the water soon opened up again, and we were back into the raft, So yeah, back into the rough, uh, paddling it, so that was a bit better, but then again hit another dam, and below that was even worse than the first time, so this is sort of the, probably the first point of the race where we started really, you know, at the suck it up, and we're getting a bit frustrated, having it, thinking, come on, go to these big grass, but you've got no water to paddle. So, yeah, but being in front, having the Colombians just behind us, kept us on our toes, so we were able to keep moving okay. Yeah. But um, we were very lucky, or very happy, sorry, not lucky, that probably three, two or three k's after the second dam, that actually shot the water back out from the hydros, so next thing you know, the last 10 k's was actually really good fun rapids, so we'll, it was really good to finish off that way um, We see yeah. good rapids. And it just shows what potential it was. Yeah.
0: So, did, is, it, um, is it hard when you got a team right behind you? I mean, I th- always thought it's easier to chase, but is it kind of mentally hard to try and stay in front of a team like that?
1: Um, we we sort of used it as a bit of a, a motivator. We'd, we'd try and, you know, Put in, keep keep in front of them. Maybe get around the next corner before they could see us, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, like I said, we, we were paddling. We were a bit frustrated when we had the carry, but we were paddling quite well when the we had some water. So, and we knew it was their strength. So we thought, well, let's try and build up our little gap that we had before. I guess we were probably a bit motivated, knowing that we we'd lost time um, through no fault of our own with the yeah. the dark zone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we 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 thought, well, we'll just yeah crank it up and see how we going with you as I said we, that was one of our strengths paddling so we'll try and make the most of it um, and then at, at the end with the last you know 10k or so being fast flowing you know water with some good little rapids it made it go quicker obviously but it was also good fun so it took a bit of the focus off to arms which was good yeah but,
0: it, yeah' I, nice to have that fun
1: yeah yeah and you could see that obviously I reckon because the water level was very low that um, They'd have some really good good rivers over there and you'd, you'd need a big big raft to paddle them a lot of the time. just uh, we didn't quite get all the water they usually have I guess. Yeah. So I guess the other thing too was we surprised us was the water wasn't as cold as we thought, especially with the, the snow and stuff still floating around. We thought we'd have some pretty cold water but it was it was good. Yeah. so, yeah. But, uh, so we, yeah, once we finished that we, we managed to get build our gap. Back up to the Columbians. I'm thinking. I'm not sure. I think it may be 15 minutes or so. So we we're hoping to get in and out of transition back onto the bikes without them, without them seeing us. But um, unfortunately, I snuck in just off oh, a few minutes before we, we took off. So that was it was good because we kept us on our toes. We knew that we weren't that far in front, but we we're also keen to sort of try and um, yeah keep pushing and see how we go. To be honest, we'd never really planned on probably being in front of the colombian guys obviously they're a world-class team and yeah. and that so it was it was kind of cool to to race to race them a bit i guess uh, and i think that they they had a bit of a a small section of the first trek they went a bit the wrong way so that sort of gave us a little buffer but we thought well we're out in front and might as well try and hang on to it absolutely so.
0: <laughs> you're leading you're gonna stay in front
1: yeah, that that was it. So took a little bit to get used to, but yeah, we yeah. We, we were all keen, and we, and we again we were um, working really well as a team. We all had nobody was sort of struggling too much at this point, and we we're having a good fun race, you know, looking after each other, cracking jokes. Liz was singing a team song, which I'm not going to sing for you.
0: Okay. Um. I, I, I think maybe I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Next time you speak to her, maybe she can do your rendition, but I'm definitely not going to be singing it for you. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we were in good spirits and, and that, and keen to get onto this next bike, but also knew that <clears throat> it was going to be a tough one. Um, according to the logistics planner, it was a mountain bike slash Absa was going to be 80 kilometres with... 5,000 metres of, of climbing in it, so we knew it was going to be probably a tough leg and probably the crux of the race. Mm-hmm. So although we were keen to get onto the bike and get into it, we were, <laughs> we were thinking, okay, what are we going to what are we going to encounter here? But the first section was quite flat and fast along some main roads into into town uh, to the abseil, which was a little bit of an abseil, just run around getting a few. Uh, It was sort of like an orienteer, I think. So we are hoping to get into and out of the abseil before the Colombian guys turned up. But after we did the orienteer, uh, the Colombians were pretty hot on our heels and were right there as we were dropping down the ropes. So, again, we were jumping back on the bikes, had to make our way through town, including dodging all the traffic lights. So, which was an issue because we were told to abide by the road rules. And with all the cameras around, we definitely weren't going to break any. So... (laughs) Huh.
0: Well, yeah, that's um, who'd have thought of that. Yeah, like, it, yeah. you get yeah, you get by with that in a lot of places, running some red lights, but not there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we didn't know with with the media and stuff. like we didn't know which car was following yeah. us, which car wasn't. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's tempting to to yeah, sneak through that red light or duck around that. But yeah, we just yeah. we didn't need need a silly penalty at that point of the race, especially when we were out in front. So. Yeah. We, um, <clears throat> but once we got out of town, then all the fun began, I should say, because uh, she just went straight up and all back up into the mountains. So that was our, our first climb out of town. It was fairly solid <clears throat> and sort of got the legs going. But um, we chugged away, and by that point of the race, we were all starting to feel it a little bit. But again, we were in good spirits. We were just a bit tired, and being in front obviously kept, kept us on our toes. So, at the top of that big climb was the, the first checkpoint on the, on that bike leg. And um, just as we were coming off the top of the, the climb, the Colombian guys come riding up. So, that obviously had a really good good climb up the hill and made up most of the time. And they passed us on, on the descent when we had to stop and just, uh, I think something fell off the bike or something, we had to stop and grab something off, off the bike. So, they passed us down there. Um, but... You know we were a little bit disappointed to lose the, lose a lead, but we thought, well, we'll just keep doing our thing and run our own race and see what happens. it had been working for us so far. Yeah so this is this is when we the next issue came with the the briefing that we'd missed, so we we'd marked our course out and what we thought was a pretty good good route and we followed it. and again again we' we've been really good. Jared and myself worked well and had no navigational errors at this point in time, so we were, we were going well and went through where we were supposed to. Um, and part of that was going past this area like where a big slip had been on one of the roads and there's some people there fixing it I thought, oh, yeah, that's pretty interesting and sort of had a look at what they were doing and as we rode past and that was pretty impressive how they do it so what we didn't realize that that was part of the uh out of bounds area that we weren't supposed to go because of the big slip wow. so we managed to get through there no worries but we turned up at the next checkpoint only to find columbia riding in behind us and we've initially thought, oh, beautiful, we've managed to out-navigate them, which, you know, was a little bit hasty because <laughs> <laughs> they've sort of said, oh, which way did you go? I had a quick look at our map board sneakily um, and said, oh, you guys went through the out-of-bounds. We are like, what do you mean out-of-bounds? We, we had no idea. So, yeah, we a little moment of joy of thinking, oh, we might have out the, the Colombians. Soon turned out, oh, crap, What have we what have we done and what's going on here? Yeah. But there was nothing we could do about it, so we just kept moving on. Uh, so at this point, this, this bike had had a bit of elevation, but we weren't think, we didn't think that, oh, surely there can't be much more climbing. Looking at the maps, there wasn't too far to go. There was probably oh, 15, 20 K's left, and we hadn't done too much climbing, and we were well and truly on track. But the, the next section was the tough bit. I'm not sure if you saw many photos from the race or heard much about the hiker bike section. Pretty much the road turned into a, a walking track, which followed a spur line, it went up and down, and there was one section where they had chains along the, the trail to help the walkers get up, oh. up the edge of this sort of spur. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how tough it was to walk up, let alone wow. try and get bikes and gear and bits and pieces up. So, it was literally a, a team effort, that section.
0: Was well, that um, like, you know, one person carry a bike, or two people carrying a bike, or do you have to make multiple trips, or... Yeah, so we
1: were, we were literally almost staggered ourselves. Well, you know, One person at the top would pass it up, the other one would leapfrog and then pass it to the next section and, and just, we, to tell you the truth, we just did what we could to get them up to the top. It was quite a narrow, narrow spur um, with one side pretty much a cliff, I think. Uh, looking off the edge at night time with our lights, we couldn't really see much down there. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so, and I mean, at this point in time, we were all sort of thinking, oh, it, it, when we are on the road we are thinking oh sweet we're we're not too far we're going to get in transition we might even get a little bit of daylight uh, to before we head off on the last trek but that yeah that soon came to it that didn't happen uh, (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so there was one I think there was one point there it literally took us an hour and a half two hours to travel a couple hundred metres trying to get up this this section so it was (laughs) yeah, yeah it's um probably the toughest point of the race we were all obviously tired um, physically and, and getting a bit sleepy tired too it, um we could hear the Colombians in front of us, but they were probably a good half an hour in front of us, even though we could, we can could hear them just purely because of the strain no. yeah. but uh, and this is the other other time where the, we had some cameramen from the film crews and stuff rolling up in the, in the middle of the in the middle of the bush on the steepest section in they they would have had to spend a couple of hours hiking in there, I think so that's how that was a good good example of how passionate they were. They were in there with their cameras and their lights in the middle of the night, and I mean that was probably the only time that we got a bit frustrated with them. Um, it was a pretty small area, and they were yeah. they were there doing their best to keep it out of our way. But um, you know we yeah. just wanted to get to the top and and get out of there.
0: Yeah, I so, can imagine. Yeah, that would be that's yeah. You're just a little frustrated because you're going slow and you know just. They're just slowing you down just that little bit.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, so, but as I said, they they were doing the right thing, and they yeah. would, did their best they could to stay out of the way. So, um, yeah, it was it was again it was probably although like I said a bit frustrating. It was kind of good to have them there, maybe some extra people, something a little bit different, you know. To at, at that point, we you know anything just to keep in mind of what we were doing was probably yeah. not a bad thing. So it was, yep. So yeah, so, but, yeah, so it was, how long um,
0: did how long did that, you know, the bad, bad hike a bike take you? You know, the worst
1: part. So, oh, look, I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head the, the time-wise, but I think we traveled five or six k's, uh, and it would have probably taken us three to four hours. It was, wow. yeah, it was pretty much a walking track, and it was steep and slippery. and um, yes. But it was, uh, in hindsight, like at the time it wasn't much fun but in hindsight that's sort of why you do these things to yep. for these sort of challenges um, you know if it was all really easy then you probably wouldn't get as much yeah. uh, satisfaction out of it at the end I guess yeah if it
0: was uh, easy yeah. if it was easy I'd be doing it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it, again we like I said we are we working well as a team all despite the fact that we are all tired mm. and that um, we worked well together to get the box up we weren't getting cranky at each other or anything like that. Um, it was probably the the best. Our race worked really well as a team. It was one of the highlights. In the end, to sit back and think that everything we went through, you know, we didn't have those usual little issues, even where we get tied and cranky or at each other or anything like that. So, and, I, and I think the fact that we you know, we get along as it is, but then also that we had a good race makes a difference. So yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, it was it was much of a relief to get down onto some some bitumen roads after yeah. getting through that hiker bike <laughs> and rolling into get, the next transition.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, nice to yeah have a little recovery and actually be on your bike to come into a transition. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: yep. So yep. yeah, that was that was good. And weather weather wise, it was got a little bit cold, but not to the point where we were, we were freezing and we had plenty of gear and stuff like that. So we were probably pretty lucky with the weather over there. But, um, was a bit drizzly and a little bit cold, but nothing too over the top. So,
0: so um, yeah, that was. what? Yeah, what kind of elevation were you at, roughly during the race?
1: So the high, the highest points, um, we sort of getting up around fifteen hundred.
0: Okay.
1: Uh Some of the higher points of the, the race, I'd have to have. I've got, I've got a couple of the maps you. so I think yeah, we're sort of around that sort of yeah, around 1500 metres for some of the higher points, so
2: yeah.
1: yeah, it was a lot of undulating sort of ups and downs, yeah. rather than really long, big steep climb except for the one where we had to come out of out of town, when we came out of town that was probably the longest climb, and then the rest of it was sort of a lot of up and down, up and down, up and down, so yeah.
2: but,
1: um, we, were, we were all, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty strong on the bike um, and yeah we rode well together and and that's so yeah yeah so the last trek which um we sorry
0: no I was going to say and then and then you finished up with the trek so we we're we we're exactly on the same page there <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so the last last trek was um back to a similar section where we'd started off for the first trek um so we it was again it was a lot of we thought we'd be off the road a lot and by this stage we thought we would be well and truly home and hopefully in bed <laughs> having <laughs> a sleep but we just, yeah, obviously it was quite, quite nice we did a little bit of off-road to start off with and we found some trails which led on to more trails and we were able to use a bit of knowledge we'd gained from the first trek uh, to, which because it crossed over at, at some points to use some other trails that we came across uh, so the last trek although we thought it would be a bit tougher off-road stuff we ended up finding some unmarked trails and made life a bit easier we got through that one pretty straightforward. Without too many issues and and yeah it was good to yeah. <laughs> hit the last checkpoint which was up a, another steep steep climb we'd sort of had to oh, i think it was a four or five six hundred meter climb to get to the last one which was on a nice little peak again this is another out of bounds area there was a quarry area that we weren't allowed to go through that we did um because obviously it was on a sunday and there was nobody working or anything like that yeah it's uh It was yeah, cost us another penalty by the end. So, but yeah, the last trek went pretty straightforward, and we were all moving okay, and just keen to get back to the finish, considering that we thought we'd done enough for about 36 hours, and we managed to come in at just under 48, so a little bit longer. But we were lucky, had no issues with food or water or anything. Had plenty of that. Yeah, yeah, it was. um,
0: Yeah, were you surprised that it took you? I mean. Obviously, you were surprised it took you a little bit longer, but were you surprised?
1: <laughs> um, yes, yes and no. Look, we're looking at the logistics planner. The times didn't seem to add up to the distances and the elevation that they were talking about. So, I, I remember Jared saying on a number of occasions that there's no way we'll finish this. This is before we'd even started. He was yeah. looking at the logistics planner and the maps, and he so sort of said, "There's no way we'll finish this um, in the 55 hours." I think was roughly the time time limit they had uh so yeah we we were surprised because we started off quite well but then the, the the raft the second mountain bike um all blew out the timing blew out in those ones so yeah but like i said we we were we didn't make many many errors um, or had a or in the race had didn't have any mechanicals we had a really really good race there was yeah look <laughs> we were very lucky there's nothing really went wrong We worked well as a team and yeah we were pretty lucky in that regard and we still came in 12 hours probably longer than we thought so. Yeah. so i think only ourselves yeah. and the Colombian teams completed the entire course so yeah. so
0: that's uh pretty remarkable i mean that's that's a hell of a result actually i think
1: yes <laughs> it was it was good i mean all the other teams did well but yeah. i think obviously just the organisers wanted to put on a challenging race, and, which they did, but just probably underestimated the, the time. Um, I yeah. think that the, the course and everything was great. They just need to either allow a little bit more time or sl- uh, slightly shorten the course. So, yeah. um, Or if they're happy with having two teams finish and the other teams do the best they can, um, get as many checkpoints as they can, then I guess then they consider it a success. But the course and the maps and um, all that sort of stuff was, was awesome. So,
0: I I, I hate uh, to be stereotypical, but that's I assumed it would be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it definitely lived up to well, expectations. So, uh, I've I've said ever since I got back, um, I'll definitely go back to Japan for a holiday, and if there's another race, I'll definitely try and make it happen over there as well. So, for well, sure,
0: that's pretty. Cool. I mean, that's about as high a praise as an adventure racer can say. <laughs> I'd go back and do it again. So that's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Maybe
1: maybe world champs in 2019.
0: Well, no, it can't be because they have organizers there. No, I my bet is Italy.
1: Italy, okay. I wouldn't have a clue. I'm like I said, I'm still getting used to this whole adventure racing scene. So
0: well, I, I I'm not going to go into it, but I it's one of those things when you're working by yourself all day. I can go through it all, and, and it's like it's got to be in there in, in Italy. That's my yeah. that's my I, I, bet.
1: <laughs> so. I guess you'd have a pretty good idea and you've got plenty of experience to use. So
0: Well, you know, so, there's just yeah. certain yeah, you you can just eliminate certain places and I, I, okay. First I said the Mediterranean area, which I think is pretty true, and then I narrowed it to Italy, but um, anyway, enough enough talking about me. So what's um, next for you and the team? You got anything planned for the for uh, you know coming up?
1: Um, I think, well, we'll probably, we've got the Adventure 1 Series here in Australia, we're going to go back and, um, that's coming up with another event next month, and then the final one the following month, so, I'm uh, on race, I've been racing with Rob Preston and Catherine Preston, so, mm-hmm. they're me on my toes for that, which has been really good, really good, yeah. <laughs> for someone like myself, who's sort of learning and stuff to race with those guys, has been good, so I'm keen yeah. to get back and race those couple of events with them. Um... And then what happens after that? We'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. Uh, I know Liz is racing a couple of those with a couple of different teams, and we've actually got Angus in helping us out for the next race because we're we're one short. So a couple of, we've had Dave Slosh and, and um, Damon uh, help us out with. Will be racing with us, but those guys can't make the next race. So and actually also Rob, he's heading off to do the Nordic Islands event, so he's out. Yeah. So we've got Angus, roped Angus in to help out. It's, um, and the other one, I guess, I'm on off is Coast to Coast. I haven't done that one yet. And uh, I've heard all about it and seen all about it. So we'll see if we can make that one happen too next year, if yeah. it fits in.
0: I've, uh, yeah, it's like, I want to go see, I want to go watch Coast to Coast. I don't want to do it, but talk <laughs> to enough people and seen enough stuff. It's like, I think. That really looks like a hell of a day.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of the same. I guess I've spoken to people and seen bits and pieces, and, and I, I think there'll be a few a few guys from this way, so it might be a good opportunity to do it with a bit of a group, um, considering it's an individual race and make it a bit more enjoyable than just a solo sort of adventure over there and, and race. So. Yeah. So,
0: Well, cool. Um, um, mm. I don't remember who said you'd be a good one to talk to, but they were right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. I think it was Paul Paul Gruber me in, So,
0: uh, yeah, I, I think it. maybe it was. So,
1: yeah. So. So. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, it's, yeah. It, like I said, I'll, I guess month I'd like to anyone's thinking of doing any adventure racing in Japan. If any more pop up, I'd, I can only recommend it. So, um, and even just if you want to go for a holiday over there, I can, same thing. I'd recommend it as well. Cool. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So.
0: All right, well, on Definitely. with your day, and um, me too. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, enjoy your hike and, and that, and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll uh, see you at an event some some stage in the future. I hope to come say good day in person.
0: I hope so. All right, thanks.
1: <laughs> thanks, Randy. See you later.
0: All right, bye.